timeless theme, earth and heaven will pass away. It's not a dream, God will make all things new that day. Gone is the curse from which I stumbled and fell. Evil is banished to eternal hell. No more night, no more pain, no more tears, never crying again. Praises to the great I am. We will live in the light of the risen Lamb. See all around, now the nations bow down to sing the only sound is the praises to Christ the King. Slowly the names from the book are read. I know the King, there's no need to dread. No more night, no Never crying again. Praises to the great I am. We will live in the light of the risen Lamb. See over there, it's a mansion prepared for me where I can live with my Savior eternally. No more night, no more pain, no more tears, never crying again. Praises to the great I am. We will live in the light of the risen Lamb. Yes, we'll live in the light of the risen Take our Bibles this morning and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. John chapter 11, in your Bibles this morning. I hope that as Chris sang that song, your heart could follow along and praise to the Lord, knowing that someday you're going to be with the Lord for all of eternity. You're going to see your loved ones again who have gone on before us. It's a, it's a wonderful hope, and another song we've heard a couple recently 
about heaven and the blessed hope that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, the words that are put to music there in that song come from the Word of God. So, again, it's not just someone writing down uh, hopes that he has, that he's pulled out of thin air. They're based upon, those are truths that are put to music based upon the Word of God. I have a note I want to read to you from the Hamline family. It says, To our family at Trinity, thank you so much for all the support and love you have shown to my family over the last month. To say Trinity Baptist Church is composed of amazing people and families would be an understatement. You have all been truly a blessing and encouragement to the Hamline family. Thank you to every one of you. Love, Melanie, Mason, Julia, and Kennedy Hamline. And I want to add to that. Thank you for loving them and continue to pray for them as they're learning to live life and navigate life without the leader in their home. So you pray for Mel and uh, Mason, senior year, and uh, Julie and Kennedy, and they'd appreciate it. John chapter 11 is where we're at. And I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Okay, John chapter 11, verse 1. It's a familiar story. Um, even folks who have never read the Bible or don't read the Bible hardly at all have heard of this story. Um, but uh, maybe it's been a while since you've read it. So let's begin in verse number 1. I'm going to read down through verse number 47 to keep it all together. Okay, uh, But it's exciting. John chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And Jesus heard that he was sick, this sickness is, or heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That's interesting, by the way, I think, how that's written there. Uh, Jesus loved Martha. If I were to ask you who had a closer relationship with Jesus, who would you have said, Mary or Martha? Mary is probably who we would have said. But it says here, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And after that, he saith to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. And that's where Bethany would have been, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were at. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are, they, are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. And I'll summarize that just simply to say it this way, Jesus basically said, it's safe to be busy obeying the will of my Father. There's no stumbling there. You're not going to trip up if you're doing the will of your Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus was saying. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. He's sleeping, Lord, that means he's getting better. He's, he's doing well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Verse 14, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may 
die with them. A lot of courage there. I want to, I'm going to give him credit where credit's due. He was willing to go back to Judea, just two miles from Jerusalem. They, try, they were going to stone Jesus before, and, and uh, Thomas says, Hey, to his fellow disciples, let's go with Jesus so we can die too. Okay, this isn't going to be good. He was courageous, he was loyal, but he lacked faith. Verse 17, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave, that is, Lazarus, laid in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, only about two miles. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And that's a double negative there. So the emphasis person who believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ will never, 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 never die. We know what physical death is. These bodies wear out. Our hearts stop. These bodies are laid to rest. But a person who believes, who has trusted Christ as their personal Savior, though this physical body die, their spirit, their soul is present with God immediately. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he asked her the question, look at the end of verse number 26, Believest thou this? Do you believe this, Martha? Look at verse 27. She's just lost her brother. Verse 27, she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And I think it was secretly because Martha was trying to protect Jesus, okay, because he was in danger. And she would have thought it. Verse 29. As soon as she heard that, that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, Mary, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, listen to what she says, If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. By the way, did you notice both Mary and Martha said the same thing to Jesus, which tells me that they probably had been talking to one another about it. If Jesus had just been. Uh, maybe some of us could echo similar s- sentiments. If God had just done something different in our situation, we wouldn't have had to go through the grief we've had to go and have gone through. Verse number 33, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, and they were weeping very loudly, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. He was indignant. And I'll explain that later. Verse 34, And he said, Where where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, maybe the deepest, says Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. 
As some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grape, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. And many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, help us, I pray. I pray that uh, you would use your word today to increase our faith, that our trust in you would grow. Lord, I'm reminded as I read this passage that you act allow hard and difficult things into our lives to grow our learn to trust you more, lest we trust ourselves or trust people or trust belongings and things or money. Father, you want us to trust you. You want us to have faith in you, to believe in you, to know you. And Father, you bring hard things into our lives to that end. Help us, I pray. Make application to our lives individually by your Holy Spirit in a way that I never could this morning. And I will praise your name for it. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, very simply, this morning, as we look at this, these verses in chapter 11, I want to emphasize to you that, and it's obvious from the passage, I'm not impressing my thoughts upon the passage, but it's obvious from the passage that Jesus allowed Lazarus to die so that the faith of the disciples would grow. Jesus allowed Lazarus to die, the brother, the beloved brother of Martha and Mary, He allowed them to go through intense grief and mourning and sorrow so that their faith would grow in him. And Jesus allowed Lazarus to die so that some Jews in the area who had never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of their souls, he allowed hardship to come into the lives of that family in Bethany so that people outside of the family would be born again and would spend all of eternity with God. And as I've read this passage, frankly, this week, and gone over it and back and forth through it, um, my mind has been reminded many times of heartache that is in this church. Um, Some in this room, even this morning, still grieving and mourning, enduring loss. And uh, just as a man... And as your pastor, when I watch God's people suffer, when I watch people lose people that they love, um, I trust the Lord 
but it is hard to it is hard to watch people suffer and grieve and mourn. It's hard to observe that, and it's even much harder for a person to go through it. But I want, I want to remind you this morning, and I was reminded this week, that God allows these things into our lives for purposes that are much greater than anything you and I can see. Okay. And I want to encourage you to allow God to grow your faith through the trials that he's allowed into your lives. Okay. I want you to better know him. I want your trust and confidence in him to increase. That's what God wants for you. It would be a terrible thing for a person to go through such grief as these ladies went through, or in some of, as some of you have gone through grief, and not submit yourself to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and actually to grow further away from Him, or to draw further away from Him, rather than draw closer to Him. That would be a terrible tragedy. To have suffered so greatly and so intensely the loss of a loved one, and yet at the end of your life be further away from God than you were when the tragedy came. Look at our text, and I want to notice, beginning in verse number 14, look at verse 14 and 15, and I notice, first of all, that Jesus wanted the faith of the disciples to go. Now, faith is taking God at his word. It's trusting God with your life. And he wanted the faith of the disciples to grow, and I notice that in the passage. Look at verses 14 and 15 of chapter 11. It says there, Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And then notice the words in verse 15. Jesus says this, And I am glad for your sakes, speaking to his disciples, that I was not there. That's a very interesting statement. Jesus does not say that he was glad Lazarus died. Okay. And we know, as we already read it, but Jesus wept. So he was touched with the feeling of their infirmities. He was touched by their grief. Okay, he wept. But it says here that he was glad for the sakes of his followers, the disciples of Jesus, that he was not there. And then he tells us why. To the intent that ye may believe, that their faith would grow. And then he says, nevertheless, let us go unto him. And he goes unto Lazarus, who was already dead. You know, I think sometimes when we think about the apostles in the Bible, we think of them as super Christians who um, didn't struggle. And if you know the Bible well, and if you've read about them, you know that they did. You know that they were men just like you and me. It was not the case. They were not super Christians who never struggled with unbelief and lack of faith. You know, even the apostles failed our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on many occasions. And so the Lord was constantly, I think, seeking to increase their faith. Why? Because their faith lacked. Their faith was weak. You ever find your faith to be weak? I mean, there are times. And it's interesting. Um, a person can have been saved for 40 years, okay, and have endured many things and have found the Lord faithful throughout their life. And yet that individual, after having been saved for 40 years, can have a wonderful day trusting the Lord Peace that passeth all understanding, not living in fear, 
um, having the joy of the Lord as their strength. And the very next day, or maybe even later that day, feel like they're coming apart. It's not going to be okay. I don't know how I'm going to make it. This is more than I can bear. I can't handle it anymore. And, and we'll see as we go through here, Martha makes an incredible statement. She says, Lord, I believe. And her statement was, Lord, I... And the, the word believe is interesting. I believe it's in the present tense, but it has the idea of, Lord, I have believed, and I will continue to believe. And this was in the face of severe loss that she had suffered and intense grief. She wasn't going to see her brother anymore who she was close to. So when we think of the apostles, we think of them, some of us think of them as they were these super believers, but Jesus was continually trying to help them grow in their faith. Why? Because their faith was weak. They needed to grow. And you know, if our faith is weak, then our service to the Lord will never be strong. If our faith is weak, our service to the Lord will never be strong. When, when our faith is weak, when we're not trusting God, is when we succumb and give in to temptation and sin. It's when we're not trusting the Lord. That's when that happens. When I'm not trusting his word, I give in to temptation, and you do too. When I'm not trusting God's word, I don't serve him. I don't do his will in my marriage. I don't do his will when it comes to training up my children. I don't do his will. I, I'm not excited about his will. I don't desire his will when I'm not trusting him. And so Jesus was trying to grow the faith of his disciples, those that were close to him, those who he loved. And I remind you of this, that Jesus is still interested in growing our faith. And so he brings trials into our lives. Look at verse number one. John chapter 11, look at verses 1 and 2. He says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now Jesus was at this point in Bethabara, which was about 20 miles away uh, from where Bethany was. He was in a place that was safe. Bethany was close to Jerusalem. Jesus was safe. He was away from Jerusalem at this point. And uh, one day, this particular messenger from Bethany arrives in Bethabara, and he has a message for Jesus. And it's a, it's a terrible message. It's a sad message. It was the message that a very close friend of Jesus, an earthly friend of Jesus named Lazarus, was sick. In fact, he was so sick, he was close to death, is the message that Jesus would have received from this messenger on this particular day. And now, I want to tell you this. If the man had been traveling quickly, without delay, he could have covered 20 miles in a day, and it would have been a day's journey from uh, Bethany, where Lazarus was, to where Jesus was in Bethabara. Uh, Mary and Martha, in verse number 3, notice here, Mary and Martha appealed to Jesus' love for their brother. Here's the message, verse 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, look and see, he whom thou lovest is sick. So Mary and Martha logically thought that because Jesus loved their brother and because he had the power to make a difference in the life of their brother, these, these ladies, Mary and Martha, believed that Jesus was the Christ. They believed that he was the Messiah. They had watched him heal people. 
And when their brother got sick, logically, they knew a couple of things about Jesus. He had the power to heal their brother, and he loved their brother. And when those two things come together, it was logical for these two sisters to send word to Jesus, come quickly, because we know you can heal him, and we know you will heal him because you love him. That was their logical thinking, and it was logical. He could heal them. He could heal uh, their brother. They were sure that Jesus would be sympathetic to their plight, but Jesus' response to their plight was not what they expected. Now, there are different situations in this room. Some of you are going through intense times of temptation, maybe in a way that you have never been tempted before. And maybe you've been crying out to the Lord, and he has not delivered you the way you you would have expected him to deliver you. He will, but he hasn't done it the way that you thought he was going to do it. And you feel alone. Or there's others in this room, and there's sickness, illness. Pastor Burden mentioned the cancer support group tomorrow evening that meets. Cancer in the home, cancer within the family. And uh, there's a measure of grief that comes with that, but also a a necessary endurance that comes with that disease and other diseases like it. And you've cried out to the Lord, and you know he can heal, and you know he loves you based upon the word of God, and he loves your loved one, and he loves your family, and he hasn't responded the way that you thought he could or should. Or maybe you've lost a loved one, as Mary and Martha had. Now, they hadn't at the point they sent the message, but they, you, you've cried out to the Lord for help. You've, you've sought his face, and whatever it is, you, you're, you're see, you know he loves you. You know he has the power to make all things well. But sometimes in our lives, we cry out to him, and he doesn't respond the way we thought he would. Or we think even sometimes he should. Look at verse number four. He responds differently than I think they imagined. Verse four says, when Jesus heard that, he said, and this would have been the message that would have gone back to the sisters, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. I'm going to read it again and think it through. Here's his message. This sickness is not unto death. Now, my question to you is, did Lazarus die? Yes, he did. But Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death. Now, Jesus, I think, was talking about spiritual life. But, you know, Mary and Martha, like you and me, we think in the literal, we think in the practical. By the way, spiritual is not unliteral. But we think in the physical. Life. I'm alive. I'm breathing. But he says this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that God would be magnified, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. This was not the message I think that they expected. So Jesus listens to the messenger that brings the description of their plight and their situation. Jesus understood the severity of the situation. And he understands the severity of your life, wherever you might be. He understands it better than I could ever understand it. He understands it more fully than you 
in the situation can even fully understand it or comprehend it. So he, he understands the situation. He sends a message of hope. But I can't help but notice he doesn't, at this point, deliver anybody from the trial. He does not heal Lazarus. Lazarus dies. I don't know what Lazarus was sick with. Death is a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing. In our day, we have hospice and um, hospice. With hospice, it allows to, to relieve a person who is dying of pain, allows them to be more comfortable. It also uh, provides a measure of protection for those who love that person who is coming closer and closer to death to not see their loved one, their spouse, their mom, their dad, uh, their parents suffering at such a high level. Death is a terrible, terrible thing. But Jesus did not deliver Lazarus from death. And Jesus did not deliver the sisters from the grief that they were going to endure as a result of their brother dying. Jesus had an eternal outlook. He saw more than just this life. He had an eternal outlook on the whole situation. I think very much like the blind man back in chapter 9. Do you remember that? Chapter 9 and verse 3, when the disciples asked, the, asked Jesus, was this man, uh, is he blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? Do you remember? And Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Jesus answered to his disciples' question, why is this man blind? Why, is it, why was this man born blind? And why has he lived his entire life blind? Jesus' answer was, this man was made blind so that God could be glorified. I, I tell you, the truth that we're, we're nibbling at here this morning in John chapter 11 is a hard truth. And the, the reality of this truth is the only way that you and I can have peace in this life is when we accept that God is God and that he has the authority to do what he wants in our lives. And again, some of you in this room are suffering to a much greater degree than I have ever suffered in my life. But I know this, in my lack of suffering as you have suffered, I find that I, at times, struggle with the truth that God has the right to do whatever he wants in my life. There's a part of me, and it's called the flesh, the old man, who wants to pout a little bit, furrow my brow, make a face. Okay, I got a few body language I could probably throw into it, and have an attitude that, you know what, I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to endure this. I deserve better than what God is giving me. And that's just my flesh, at times, facing much less than some of you are facing in this room. Look, look at verse number 5. Look at verse number 5. I'll read down through verse 7. It says there, Now Jesus loved Martha... And her sister and Lazarus. 
And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Jesus didn't rush to Bethany. We know he was going to go, but he doesn't leave for two days. Then after that, it says in verse 7, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Why? Why did Jesus wait for two days? He waits two days before traveling to Bethany. He waits two days. It starts out in verse number five saying that Jesus loved Martha and he loved her sister Mary and he loved Lazarus. But Jesus chooses to wait for two days. He didn't rush to them. I mean, what would you expect someone to do who loves someone else who's going through a trial? To make them wait, right? To just go it alone, right? That's what someone does who loves someone else. Well, we're all, well, you're, you're all looking at me like, well, but all of us are, th- are thinking, Pastor, if you don't come to my side when I'm going through that, then you don't love me. It's two days before he goes to Bethany. And by the time Jesus and his disciples had arrived in Bethany, I'll say this, and the Bible tells it, been already been dead for four days. And by the way, if we do the math, that means that Lazarus had died the very day the messenger had left Bethany, traveled 20 miles to Bethabara to bring the message to Jesus. Lazarus died that day. So in a sense, there wasn't anything Jesus... And he, he, a 20-mile walk to, to Bethany from Bethabara, he would have gotten there. Lazarus already would have been dead. Of course, Jesus could have still comforted the, the, the sisters. He could have. But, but Lazarus was already dead. But the, the messenger on day two brings the message back to the sisters that Jesus had sent to them. And what good, I might ask, were Jesus' words to Lazarus' sisters after he had died? And had been buried for two days. And I think the answer to that question is Jesus was urging them to believe his words no matter how discouraging their circumstance appeared. So the message comes back to the sisters. And the message was is, is in verse number four. He says, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. That's the message. Is that comforting to a person who's just lost a loved one? But again, I I submit to you, Jesus was encouraging the sisters to believe his words and trust him no matter what the circumstance looked like. And what did the circumstance look like for them? Their brother was dead. And Jesus' message to them was, trust my words. Believe in me. Keep believing in me. Even when the circumstance looked like there was no helping it at all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith. We walk by faith. We walk by taking God at his word, by trusting his words, and not by sight. Not what we can see. Not what we can feel. We walk by faith and not by sight. Again, I'll say it. Believe God's word no matter how difficult the circumstance may appear. I do have a few questions, though. If Jesus loved Lazarus so much, why did he permit him to get sick in the first place? Or why did Jesus delay in going to Mary and Martha? Or why didn't Jesus just heal Lazarus from a distance like he healed the nobleman's son? You remember that? He's about 20 miles away for that one. 
He was in Cana. The nobleman walks 20 miles. Remember I told you, uphill. Capernaum's right there on the seaside of Galilee. So he walks uphill to Cana, about 20-some miles. He gets to Jesus, and Jesus heals his son from Cana. Why didn't Jesus just heal Lazarus from Bethabara? He didn't even have to go to Judea. He didn't have to go back to Judea. He didn't have to go to Bethany to heal him. Why did he do this? And I think God's word makes it clear that Jesus had a close relationship with Lazarus as well as his sisters. Look at verse 3 again. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. Look at verse number 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And look all the way to verse number 36. Verse 36, then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. So it was not un, this was not unusual. This was not, this was not uh, a, a matter of Jesus not caring. Jesus obviously loved this family, so why did his actions or his lack of action seem to contradict his love for this family? And please hear me, God's love is not a pampering love. A message came through to our house just yesterday from Cindy's mom to Cindy via text. I need to know what the children want for Christmas. And so then the Ferguson home went into full-blown, covetous lust mode for about an hour. Every Meyer flyer whatever's been sent to us, and they're being sent now, even using paper. We, we, they were online looking, you know, and they, they were feeling stress because she needed a list of all of their desires, and they couldn't, they didn't know what they wanted yet. You know, so it was a measure of stress to it even, trying to come up with what I want for my life, you know. And finally, and, I'm, and I'm, I was in my office reviewing and studying, and I'm hearing this in the other room, and, and I finally I just, I didn't even leave my office. I just said, everybody get a piece of paper and begin to write down everything you have ever wanted in your life. And, and they're all right, and they did, you know, they all get a piece of pencil, and they're erasing, no, that can't be it, you know, and they're writing all these things. God's love is not a pampering love. What do you want? I don't mean to be insensitive. Some of us here, life is moving very along very smoothly. And I could ask you, what do you want for your life? Just say it. God is not a genie. And others of you in this room who are struggling and going through intense grief and questions that you cannot answer, and you are struggling with the goodness of God. You are struggling with the love of God. God's love he is love of the purest sort. His love is not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love. It's a maturing love. God loves with a goal in mind, your best interest in mind, my best interest in mind as a child of God, someone who loves him. God has our best interest in mind, and he has, as has been already stated in this passage, his glory in mind. And the fact that God loves us and we love him is no guarantee that we will find shelter 
or we will be sheltered from the problems and pains of this life. Some of us would like to say, well, God, I love you. I have served you. And so it's all, our inferences there is, Lord, I've, I've obeyed you here and here. You ought to bless me. And I ought to be able to know it, and I ought to be able to see it. I ought to have more than others who don't love you. I ought to have better quality of life than those who don't love you. That's the inference. But the, but the fact that God loves us is not a guarantee that we'll be sheltered from the problems and the pains of life. God loved his only son, we would agree. And yet God sent his only son into this sin-cursed earth to be rejected of those he came to save, to be spit upon, to be abused and flogged, ultimately to be uh, beaten and whipped, to be uh, to have them drive a crown of thorns into his skull, to be mocked and ridiculed, to be led to Calvary, and to be nailed to a cross, and ultimately to bear the sins, our sins, and the sins of the whole world, and take our sins upon his body and become our sins to be separated from the Father so that you and I could be restored to him and be given life. We are reminded in the word of God that we are to take up our cross and follow him. And it is not the same cross. Every one of us here who are saved have the same destination, and that is heaven. Peace with God, pleasures at his right hand forevermore, evermore. but every one of our lives and the trail or the road of our lives to that same destination, the road for every one of us is slightly different. Some of us in this room are going to live to, to, an, to an old age. And some of us are going to enjoy living to that old age with our, the wife of our youth or the husband of your youth. Some of us in this room are not going to enjoy that. Or some are going to live to an old age, but later in life they're going to endure great suffering and hardship physically. And the plans that were made for those Years, those golden years together are not going to be able to be enjoyed. There's going to be some intense suffering and hardship. And you're going to feel like a prisoner at times, not able to do, not able to go out, not able to enjoy. Some of us are never going to live to that point in our lives. I, I don't think I have to go on. I think you know, having lived life enough, that life is challenging. Life can be very, very difficult. And the road for every one of us is not going to be the same. God's love is not a pampering love, and we have no guarantee that we'll be sheltered from the problems and pains of this life. God has a higher purpose, and Jesus had a higher purpose than the temporary happiness of the sisters. What if he had healed Lazarus, but he had not grown their faith? He could have. He had a higher purpose than the temporary happiness or the relief of pain for Lazarus to die. But God loved Lazarus more than you and I, you or I loved Lazarus. 
Jesus had a higher purpose than the disciples, as we've already read, and we'll go back and look at it just briefly again, but they're like, why do we want to go back to Judea? This is not in our best interest. Jesus didn't just operate in his best interest. There was a selflessness about him. Jesus wanted their faith, and he wanted their trust in him to grow, and he wants our faith and our confidence in him to grow. You know, by the way, eternal reward is not obtained by ease and enjoyment of this life. I know that's what we're after as Americans. It's just kind of where we're at. You know, we want better for our children. We want more ease of life for our children. We we don't want them to endure some of the same things we've had to endure. You know, and I get that from a human perspective. It is a bit naive. Eternal reward is not obtained by by ease and enjoyment of this life. Eternal reward is obtained as we live our lives upon this earth, whatever might be included in our lives on this earth, by faith, by believing in the Lord, by trusting in the Lord. So Jesus saw this sickness as an opportunity to glorify the Father. And again, I'll say it this way, or I'm going to move on from this, but it is not important that we Christians be comfortable. That is not God's goal for you and for me, that we would be comfortable. But it is important that we glorify God in all that we do. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if some of us, as we're going through some intense hardships in our lives, instead of complaining and griping and moaning and hating life in unbelief, wouldn't it be wonderful if we would allow God to use that hardship to bring God glory? And that, that we would go through that trial as if it is, is, is a ministry and a service to God. Lord, you haven't called me to sing in the choir. Lord, you've put this in my life. You didn't leave it up to me to choose, I'm going to volunteer for the choir or not. Lord, you put, you put this right in my lap. You put it right in my home. And instead of resisting God, despising his will, and I'm speaking maybe too frankly, but for myself at times. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we, by the grace of God and by his grace only, if we were able to go through the trial, please God, because we're trusting him, and and suffering may be a part of that, but we trust him, and he is glorified, and he is honored, and he rejoices, and he is pleased with you and me. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Here's the thing. Whether or not you trust God or not does not determine whether or not you're going to get to go through trials or be uh, uh, trials kept from you. The one thing you and I do get to choose is who we're going to trust in as we go through the trials of life. That is what you and I get to choose. I will submit to him. I will obey him. I will trust him. I have believed and I will continue to believe no matter what. That was, Martha's, that was Martha's attitude. So Jesus saw in this sickness an opportunity to glorify the Father. Jesus, and because he was in control of his life and death, I think he returned. Because he loved this family, I think he returned. And because it was his Father's will, he returned. Look at verse number 8. It says there, His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? What are you, what are you thinking? Why would you go back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, 
He stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world, but if a man walk in the because there is no light in him. And Jesus is saying that if he walked in the light of his Father's will, it was a safe place to be. It was the right place to be. But if he chose the easy path or the easier path, the less dangerous path to preserve his own life, but disobeyed the will of his Father, that would be a dangerous place to be. Now, for Jesus, he wasn't going to disobey but you and I do sometimes disobey. He never sinned. We do sometimes sin. But it's a dangerous place to be when we're disobeying um, our Father's will. But he wasn't going to hide from the perils of heading back to Judea. Look at verse number 11. These things said he, and after that he said, saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. How But they thought that he spoke of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And I already explained that to you. Uh, Again, I see a lot of courage there in Thomas. He struggled with belief. We call him Doubting Thomas. We call it, we kind of affix that name to him, Doubting Thomas. And he had said, unless I hands in his feet, I won't believe that he's been raised from the dead. That was Thomas, one of Jesus' apostles. One of Jesus' disciples. So some of us ought to be in good company with Jesus' apostles and Jesus', Jesus disciples, because that's how some of us operate. We don't believe until God actually does it. But Thomas did have courage, and he did have dedication, but he just wanted the faith of his disciples to grow. Also, I noticed that he wanted the faith of the sisters to grow. Look at verse number 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to to Martha and Mary to comfort them. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Lord... If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Not just on paper. He that believeth in me, though he were dead. And every one of us in this room, there was a time in our lives when we were dead in our that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went into her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth under the grave to weep there. And when Mary was come where where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with her, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. 
and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should, have not, should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, Cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, Martha who just had given a wonderful testimony of her faith and trust in the Lord. She uses three names of God over in verse number 27. She calls him Lord, Curios, Supreme Authority, Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of God. She's given this amazing statement of faith and how she has believed and how she will continue to believe. But over here, when Jesus says in verse 39, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Her faith wavers. And Jesus saith unto her, I said, not, said I not unto thee that if thou shouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And by the way, in your hardship, if you and I will trust him, you, you and I will also see the glory of God. And if we choose not to trust him, we choose to resist him, and we try to lean on our own understanding, we will, the suffering will be all the greater. It will be a waste of a trial. Don't waste the trial. Trust him. And if you're anything like me, you have, you, it comes around again and again, and you have to keep deciding, I am going to trust the Lord. I am going to trust the Lord. I do believe what the Bible says. I am going to trust the Lord. It's not a, I chose to believe him when I was a five-year-old boy for the salvation of my soul, and now I am off to these heavenly heights of, of peace and bliss, and I just go through life, and everything just keeps, seems to come my way, and there's always health and happiness in my home, which obviously is not the case. My wife hasn't been here on a Sunday morning in three weeks because there's always a sick child in my house. That is not what it means to be saved. That life is blissful and there is no illness and there is no hurt. It says in verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the, where, where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. So we have Jesus wanting the faith of the disciples to grow, but we also have Jesus wanting the faith of the sisters to grow. He was not just concerned with the faith of his disciples, his apostles, but he was also concerned with the faith of Mary and Martha, he wasn't just concerned about the grief of Mary and Martha, though we see that in the passage. Uh, they're weeping. And, and Jesus, is, is indig he, there's this indignation in him, and there's this groaning within his spirit. He is feeling what they're feeling. And he weeps because they're brokenhearted. And he, and he knows what he's about to do. And yet he's still touched with their feeling. But Jesus was, it wasn't that he didn't love them, but he wanted something for them that was more than what they had. 
He wanted something for them that was of eternal value. You know, we're so consumed with this world, what we can get next, or how we can make improvements on our property. What else we can obtain in this life? This is where we think. But yet we know, based upon the word of God, that this life is not all there is. That when my body dies, that my soul and spirit go to be with the Lord forever, someday God is going to raise that old body from the dead. He's going to remake it anew, and he's going to join it with my soul and spirit again, and that I'm going to live with him for all of eternity and serve him forevermore. Forever! That's a long time. I don't know how long I'm going to live. Maybe I'll make 70. Maybe I won't. But forever is a long time. And Jesus is concerned. God is concerned with us more than just this life. And he was concerned for Mary and Martha. He was concerned for, he wanted their faith to grow. You know, God wants, I think he wants every experience of suffering and trial to increase our faith. But this kind of growth in our faith is not automatic. And I'm going to say it another way. Just because you and I go through a time of temptation doesn't mean that our faith is going to grow. Just because we go through a trial or heartache doesn't mean our faith will grow. There's something else that needs to be a part of that. In other words, and I'm going to say it another way. You and I can waste the trial. We'll go through it. Heartache, grief, sorrow. We'll go through the temptation. We can even fall and not grow. But this kind of spiritual growth is not automatic. What is necessary for our faith to grow as we encounter sufferings and trials in life? And the the answer is this. We must respond positively to the instruction of God's word and how the Holy Spirit of God is leading us in our lives. So if you're going through intense temptation, you know the Lord has allowed it into your life. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to have to go back to remedial, the remedial class. I want to learn. How can I not waste that temptation? Follow God's word as I go through it. Lean and follow the, the lean on and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life. What if God brings a great trial? It's not a temptation, but it's a trial. It's, it's heartache and grief. How can I not waste that? How can I? I want. Okay, God, I realize you have allowed this into my life. You know I've struggled with it because I'm a person. I don't like, none of us like suffering. I've struggled with it, Lord, but I understand you are good and you always do what is right and your ways are perfect and your ways are best. Lord, I'm struggling with this as a human being, but Lord, I recognize you've allowed it into my life. Lord, I want you to be glorified. I want my faith to grow. How can I do that? By following the word of God, being in it, learning it, living it, and saying yes to the Spirit of God as he leads me through this life. I'm going to trust him. Jesus had sent his word to the sisters in verse 14, and now he's going to discover how they would receive him. I want to look at verse 21 and 32, and we're not going to spend much time here, but look at verse uh, 21 first. Martha comes to Jesus first, and notice what she says. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Look over to verse number 32. 
the, the latter part of verse 32, Mary comes to Jesus where he is, and she falls down at his feet, and she says, If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Jesus, you could have done something about this. Had you been here, had you been here, Lazarus would be alive today. He would not be in that grave. And many of us in this room could say the same thing. God, if you had chosen differently, my husband would still be here. My wife would still be here. Lord, if you had intervened, my marriage would not be in the condition that it's in. Lord, had you intervened, you, you follow me? We could apply this to every part of our lives. My life would be different, God, if you had done something differently. Can I just give you a warning? Beware of the word if. You can't live there. Lord, if you had. Now, this is natural. This is human. Okay? I do it too. But you and I cannot walk by faith. Our faith will not grow as long as we keep throwing out the if. Well, if. I, I wouldn't be, I would be better, I would be a better servant of you, Lord, if you, if, be, stop with the word if. He has chosen. Decisions have been made. Some of them have been ours. And where they weren't our decisions, he made choices. Don't live in the world of if. It will prolong the agony. It will leave you with questions that you will never answer. You must trust the Lord. You must trust his will. You must trust who he is, his goodness, his righteousness. He always does what is right. His love for you and for me. Don't live in the area of the if. And I can't help but think as both of them use the same terms, the very same sentence, actually. If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I cannot, I cannot uh, go on without saying I believe they talked about this. Why didn't he come? Why didn't he come? He loved Lazarus, didn't he? Yes, he did. Why didn't he come? If he had come, if he had come, Lazarus would still be here. I wouldn't be going through the suffering. I wouldn't be going through the grief. If, if, don't live in the world of if. Jesus emphasized the importance of the resurrection a great deal in the passage. In the Old Testament, the resurrection is taught. Martha gives credence to that. She had been taught it. She had learned it. She knew that there was going to be a resurrection. And that is why from cover to cover in the Bible you find the followers of God are laid to rest. Why? Because it is a public testimony that there is a resurrection, that that body, this is not the end for that body, that body belongs to God. It did while his spirit lived within it on this earth, and it is going to actually house the soul and spirit of the individual who inhabited that tabernacle, that body, someday for all of eternity. It belongs to God. So from cover to cover, you find this doctrine of burial taught. Why? Because there is a doctrine of resurrection. And, Mar and Martha gives testimony to this fact, and Jesus adds a person to this doctrine of resurrection. In verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? 
Martha was looking to the future knowing that Lazarus was going to rise again and she was going to see him again. Her mourning friends were looking to the past and saying he could have prevented Lazarus from dying. You see that in verse 37. Some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should have died? But Jesus was trying to center everyone's attention upon the present. I am the resurrection and the life. Wherever Jesus is, his resurrection power is available. In Romans 6 and verse 4 it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That's a now thing. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformal unto his death. So God's resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that will raise these fleshly bodies from the dead someday, that kind of power, the resurrection power is available today. In the midst of her sorrow, Martha, you remember, declared her faith. She didn't Hesitate to affirm her faith in the midst of her sorrow and disappointment. I can encourage you to do that. As you and I are feeling low at times in our lives, when we we don't feel, we're not feeling happy, we're feeling under trial and intense suffering, that is a wonderful time to reaffirm your faith. What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is enough? Do you believe that God's words are perfect? Do you believe that you can trust his way? Do you believe that he has your best interest in mind? Do you believe his way is perfect? Do you believe he is good? Do you believe God is loving? Reaffirm your faith. Speak it. Talk about it. Jesus encouraged Mary's faith. I'll close, but I want to say this. Mary's Mary is found only three times in the gospel record, and every time she's at the feet of Jesus. She sat at his feet and listened to his word. She fell at his feet and poured out her sorrow. Some of us, that's where we need to be. She came to his feet to give him her praise and worship. And the only words of Mary recorded in the gospels are found in verse number 32. Lord, If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Mary was moved with so much sorrow and so much grief. Her personality, she she doesn't have much to say. Jesus groans within. He's moved with indignation. He weeps. What, What was it that caused Jesus to be indignant? I imagine the ravages of sin in the world that he had created so perfectly the death and destruction, the heartache that comes as a result of sin. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. But Jesus' weeping was not the loud weeping of the mourners. It's the word weep that's used in verse number 35 where it says Jesus wept. It's It's the only time that Greek word is found in the Bible. It's not the same weeping that we find in verse number 33 where the mourners are weeping aloud or Mary is weeping out loud. It's a different kind of weeping. Why, why was it that he wept? 
Why did he weep at all? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that it was all going to be okay. And we could say the same thing about our lives. He knows that it's going to all be okay. Why, why does he care? Why is he touched? Why is he so pitiful with us? Well, Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I read that this morning. And it, I mean, Jesus knew that everything was going to be okay no matter what he went through in this life. But you know, the Bible still says of him, he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. In Hebrews 4 and verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. The truth is this, that Jesus knows and Jesus He allowed all of this so that their faith would grow. The faith of his disciples, the faith of Mary and Martha, and as we read on later after Lazarus is raised from the dead, the faith of others, people come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And as you leave this place this morning, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about where you're at in life and some of the challenges you're going through some things that are tripping you up, you're stumbling at, and some of them, frankly, are very small, and other things, some of the others are just immense. Frankly, they're impossible without the Lord. As you leave this place this morning, I want you to pray this one prayer. Lord, would you have your way in my life? Would you help my faith to grow? Help my faith to grow. And as that happens, you know what? We will love him more. We will trust him more. We will know him more, and he will be glorified. I want you to take your hymnals, and we're close with a hymn, hymn number 157. Hymn number 157. I want to sing the first, second, and third. It's a short hymn. Would you stand to your feet with me? Hymn number 157.